Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Twenty twenty four going to be good to you? You going to be good to it? You going to be mean to the devil? Yes. You got your Bible? Amen. Let's make our confession. Let's say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. If you believe it, give a hand clap to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a couple verses. As you can see behind me, the moment you read it, you became hungry. When you fast, I want us to look at the Bible doctrine of prayer with fasting. It's something the Lord put on my heart a few weeks ago. This year, of course, is the last day of 2023. This year, uh, just me personally, is something that I've engaged in more than ever in my life. Um, We can see many things from Scripture, and my desire is for you to understand what the Bible doctrine of fasting is, its purpose, what it does in your life, what it brings about in you, and then maybe some misconceptions of things of what it's not. We're going to debunk those scripturally. I had a few people the past few months ask me different things about prayer and fasting here in church, and I shared some books, got some different books. Derek Prince has got some great things, Shaping, the, uh, shaping World History Through Prayer and Fasting. Um, Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. is a book that I have, The Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. It's one of the best ones I've ever read, about 200 some odd pages, but it just goes through each and everything, all kind of things concerning fasting. What I don't want you to do is kind of, oh, no, oh, my goodness. What you're kind of feeling right there is your flesh. And we're going to take a look at our flesh a little bit today and see where it lies, and really that should be the best word for it, where it lies, under dominion of the spirit man. Uh, Me personally, I have experienced supernatural miracles of provision. Uh, I've had people tell me, this will not happen. And I sought the Lord with prayer and fasting, and they had to say, well, guess what? It happened. Uh, Engaging in the supernatural power of prayer with fasting, I have seen people's hearts change and soften, people being saved and lives being restored. I've seen growth in our church. I I, I know that this church was birthed 
out of prayer and fasting. Pastors talked about that after he was on a three-day fast, getting the will of God. I would encourage you that anything that is of a major life decision, if the word does not explicitly say do this or that, for instance, where you should live, where you should work, who you should marry, different things of that nature, you're not going to find script, chapter and verse, thou shalt go to Lawrence. But you can get the understanding and the will and the direction of God and maybe, just maybe, it may take some prayer and fasting, and that is a light, light cost. It is a cost, but it's a light cost compared to making bad decisions that you have to suffer for the rest of your life. Prayer and fasting is something that I think sometimes it may be blown out of proportion, but it's really just a very simple, simple Bible doctrine. What I'm not talking about today is natural things. Though prayer with fasting has a natural benefit designed by God, I'm not speaking of intermittent fasting. Anyone ever heard that? That's become really popular over the past few years. That's basically you're developing a window of time when you eat. You know, I think most popular that I've heard is 16-8. 16 hours, don't eat. Eight hours, you can eat. And let me tell you something. I've done that before, and you'd be amazed how much food I can eat in eight hours. I mean, I can put a hurting on it. Let me tell you something. I can go 23 hours, and you give me one hour, and I will eat two days' worth of food in 10 minutes. I have done it. <laughs> I am a man of experience. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting. I'm not talking about dieting. I'm talking about a supernatural power that is in the kingdom. I'm talking about a kingdom key. There's many keys in the kingdom, and prayer with fasting is a key that you need to have on your key ring so that you can unlock things in your life that God has paid for, purchased with the blood of Christ, but we appropriate the blessings of God by faith. And sometimes that faith looks like prayer with fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, 17, and 18 is our main passage I want us to look at, and then we're going to go from there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, 17, and 18. Verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Wow. If you were to read Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 is right smack in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the entire Sermon on the Mount. You hit Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus teaches when you give. There are instructions that, get, that the Lord Jesus gives us concerning our giving, specifically almsgiving, giving to the poor. And he makes a thing, you know, he makes the point, when you give, don't do it to be seen of men. Do it privately. Don't do it to shame the person that you're blessing. Don't even, he says, and uses this analogy, imagery, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Let it be a secret thing between you and God, and then God, who sees what you do in secret, will reward you openly. You hit Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, all the way to verse 15, Jesus teaches on when you pray. I guess it was uh, beginning of 2021, and of course it's on YouTube. You can go check it out, the playlist, 12 different teachings. I, I did a series called When You Pray. 
And we went through there. And there's so many different things that God gives us instruction. Pastor just got done preaching. Conditions of answered prayer. Eight, ser- eight different sermons he taught in that series. You can go check it out. We are people of prayer. We're a house of prayer. Amen? How many believe in the power of prayer? And so notice, then you hit verse 16 and he says, when you fast. Now notice, the first thing I want you to see, when, not if. When implies that you will do it. When I tell Naomi, you need to go clean up. And when you clean up, put this in your room. That implies she will be cleaning up. Sometimes she lets me know that she does not want to clean up. And then we have to, you know, go through this a little bit of back and forth and sometimes lovingly encourage her, you know, on the seat of her pants that uh, it is time to clean up. But when implies it will happen. Jesus didn't say if you give, if you pray, if you fast. He said when you give, when you pray, when you fast. When implies that there is a time for prayer and fasting. The first thing Jesus says, and it's the same principle with giving and prayer, don't do it to be seen of people. If you get up to give or pray, or in this instance, pray with fasting, and you'll notice all through this morning, unless I forget to do it, I'm going to use the phrase pray with fasting. Because what we're not talking about is having a hunger strike. Not eating isn't that big a deal. That's not going to get supernatural benefits. What we're talking about is taking the time you would normally spend eating. And we say eating, but think about this. We just got through the holidays. Now, those are big meals. But just a normal meal, it's not just eating. You got to think about, what am I going to eat? Do I have the ingredients? Go buy them. See three people you know at the grocery store and talk. Get up off the floor after you pay for the groceries and say, thank God you're my provider, Lord. Go home. On the way home, stop and go through the drive-thru because it took so long to get groceries, you're hungry. Oh, y'all do that too. Put the groceries away. Forget three days that you bought groceries. Pull them out. Put them in the crock pot or whatever you're going to do. Cook them. Eat Then, the best part, we get to clean up. When you begin to add up all that time it takes to keep this flesh body running, and there's nothing wrong with that, you come up with a lot of time. And so what we're talking about is this time where God has said, there's a time when you're going to set your face towards God, and the time that you would spend preparing, cooking, eating, cleaning, all that, shopping, you might say, well, I just go through the drive-thru. How many knows fast food nowadays is no longer fast and most of it ain't food? You know, some places, you know, that, that's, I mean, we frequent Chick-fil-A because of that, because like at least they're going to get it right and it is edible, you know? And, and so there, there's time that, that time that you would be strengthening your body again. Nothing wrong with it. But there's a time where the Spirit of the Lord will impression in your heart, or there may be a time where you say, I'm going to set myself to a higher degree of exertion, uh, of pressing in. Luke 16, 16, Jesus said, uh, the law and the prophets have been until John the Baptist, and the kingdom of God has come, and men are pressing into it. 
there's a pressing with the things of God. And so there, maybe there's a time where there's an a pressing in where you say, you know what? Even, even the time I take to sit down and have a meal, I'm going to replace that time with increase time and prayer and more consumption of the Word of God. Now, notice what I just said there. Increase in prayer time, more consumption of the Word of God. Unless the Holy Spirit would direct you differently, it is of my opinion, you don't need to just... And I hope you get encouraged today. I'm going to do my absolute best to encourage you. You think, man, I just can't wait to pray with fasting. What I would encourage is this. If you don't ever pray and you're not consistently reading your Bible, you probably don't need to say, bless God, I'm going to pray and fast for 40 days like Jesus did. What I would encourage you is say, first, I'm going to pray and set a goal. I'm going to pray 15 minutes every day and I'm not missing a day. And then once you do that for a month, I'm going to increase that to 30 minutes. Or whatever it is that goal may be. But let's be honest, 30 minutes is what? One Netflix episode, 22 minutes without ads? It's two, two videos on YouTube? I mean, it's not that long, right? If you're not reading your Bible, make a decision. I'm going to read my Bible every single day. And then from that place, engage in a time of prayer and fasting. Now notice, you don't do it for men's sake. You can do some, anything you do for God, you can do it with vanity. You can be a hypocrite, right? Anything you do for the Lord, whatever it may be, you can do it just to be seen of men. That has no power. I don't know about you, but what I desire is I want to do things that only God sees so that even though no one else knows what's going on, he gives me a reward openly. If that's you, won't you say amen? Now notice what the first point you need to see is as a believer, as a Christian, As a New Testament disciple, a follower of Jesus, we are expected to pray with fasting. Jesus said, when, not if. You're in Matthew 6. Turn over a few chapters to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Matthew 9, verse 14. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying... Why do we, notice that's the disciples of John, two groups here, and the Pharisees, which, by the way, they didn't like each other. The disciples of John were good guys. John was preaching repentance and remission of sins. The Pharisees were hypocrites. But they both had something going on here. They said, wait a minute, both of us, we fast often. But your disciples, notice, do not fast. You might say, glory to God, I found it. He said, we don't fast. Verse 15, Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. How many know that? Say amen. And we're expecting his return. Amen? Between when he left, ascended to heaven, and when he returns... Now's the time to pray and fast. You won't need to pray and fast in the millennial reign of Christ. You won't need to pray and fast during the new heavens, new earth. I don't know. Well, you need to pray. If all things are made right, what are you going to pray for other than worship and give God glory and praise? It's like soul winning. Now's the time to win people to Jesus. You don't need to win people to Jesus in the millennial reign or the new heavens, new earth. Now's the time. And now's the time to pray and fast. And notice what he's saying there. 
what fasting does, it changes something in you. So now is the time to mourn. There's something that takes place in the heart of a believer when they pray and fast. Now, you're Matthew 9. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, I want you to see this, verse 1 and 2. Just, we're just getting it. I'm giving you a good foundation, a good foundation so, so we can understand what this Bible doctrine is. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Someone might say, well, yeah, I bet so. I get hungry after four hours, let alone 40 days and 40 nights. Actually, probably what most of us feel is habit, not hunger. Even though I tell Laura, I know you don't believe this, that I would tell a fib. Even though I tell Laura every night around 5.30 I'm starving to death, I'm actually not starving to death. You know, right before supper time and you start to scour the cabinets for snacks as you're cooking supper. He's praying and fasting for 40 days. And then, which we can look through, then Satan comes to tempt him. But notice, Jesus said, when you fast. Jesus said, when I leave, that's when they'll fast. And Jesus, our example, who led us in his perfect will on this world, he fasted. Now, I want you to think about this. If Christ, God in flesh, needed to fast 40 days and 40 nights to prepare himself for the ministry and the task God had called him to, would not we as well, followers of Jesus, need to incorporate in our life prayer with fasting? He, had no, he was born sinless and had no sin. Now, why did he have to pray and fast? I'm going to show you that in just one minute. But what I want you to know is this. This is just so you can be good scholars of the Word of God. In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. That's the original language of the Old Testament. The word tasam is what we transliterate as fast. And I say transliterate because it's not, it's not like a translation like sometimes English to Spanish because Hebrew is so expressive. Greek is so expressive. But the word is tasam. And this is the imagery that a Hebrew hearer would see in their mind. You know, if I say dog, what do you see in your mind? A dog, not a cat, right? You, if I say a word, you see that picture. Tasam means, it means to cover the mouth. It means to cover the mouth. And in the, the Greek, in the New Testament, and that's to Psalms 26 times in the Old Testament, that word's used. Anaz, the other time it's used when it talks about humbling of the soul. Now, you're going to see that in just one minute, how when you enter in time of prayer and fasting, it humbles you. In the New Testament, of course, the New Testament in Greek, 15 different times we see netestia, which is transliterated, fast 15 different times concerning fasting for religious purposes. Fasting essentially is just abstaining from food. It's very simple. It just means don't eat. Uh, we see that in uh, 2 Samuel 12, 16. Let me read this to you. David, of course, he had committed sin with Bathsheba, murder, and adultery. Then judgment comes on his house, and he's praying and fasting for his newborn child from that adulterous affair. And judgment comes on his house. While that child is living, David's interceding and praying with fasting. And it says... He did not eat food. I'm making this point because maybe you've said it, 
I've said it. Maybe you heard some people say, well, I'm going to fast TV. Do you know that every person before the invention of TV fasted TV? Logic. I'm going to fast social media. I remember when I made my MySpace account, which I no longer can have access to. They, got, they, they, just, they did away with our passwords like two years ago. I'm sure there would be some jewels, some gold posts on there. You know, we get those memories. Facebook shows you those memories. And I remember getting on Facebook, made an account like 2008 or nine. It just was like a year or two old. And like 2009, AJ was just a sap. Like the things that I would post were so silly. Anyway, right? I'm going to fast social media. Everybody before the invention of internet and social media fasted social media. Whether saved, saint, or sinner. Literally, fasting means to cover the mouth. It means for a time, for a period of time, whether led by the Holy Spirit or you decide to consecrate yourself or you're, you're in a place where, and we're going to look at this we're going to, in just a few minutes here. There's, some thing, there's something sticking here and I need to ante up the firepower. Not because God needs to become greater or more powerful. I need to humble and surrender myself more to receive more of what he's already provided. Fasting's like, anyone ever use Drano? Fasting is spiritual Drano. When your pipes get clogged up, prayer with fasting will blow through that, will clean out those pipes real quick so that you can receive what God has done in a more accessible way. Now, any, every single time in Scripture, and I'm not going to take a lot of time on this uh, because it's not, doesn't need a lot of time, uh, but every single time in Scripture we see prayer with fasting, or using the word fasting, it has to do with not eating for a specified amount of time. There's two times, Esther 4, when Mordecai comes to Esther and says, and he says, look, you need to go before the king because Haman's going to try to kill all of us and don't think you'll escape salvation just because you're in the king's court. Esther says, if I go and the king doesn't raise his scepter, he'll kill me. He said, well, we're all going to die. I mean, might as well. If we're, we're going to be sentenced to death, let's try something. So Esther says, okay, I and my handmaidens and you and every Jew in Susa, you pray and fast, don't eat nothing and don't drink nothing for three days and three nights. And after that, then I'll go before the king. Now, I'm not advising you to not eat or drink because what they say is after three days without water, you begin to die, right? You begin to die from that. But they did. But notice where they were at. They were going to die anyway. They basically, they got to the point, it's like, let's give God a chance. Have you ever been in that situation? And you're like, I could do the natural thing, or I could just give God a chance. I think oftentimes we might say, well, we don't see miracle power or the things of God in our life. Have you given God a chance? Have you made room for His miracle power and His supernatural work, according to His word and the leading of the Holy Spirit, to work itself out in your life? You've got to give God a chance. The second time we see that without food or water is Paul. So notice only two times. Even Jesus drank water when he was fasting. So I'm not, I'm not telling you not to do that. Now, there's one thing, and some of you are thinking, no, wait a minute, what about the Daniel fast? And that's a sacred cow, and I like kicking sacred cows. But I love you sincerely. Real quickly, what is the Daniel fast? If you're not aware of it, search Daniel fast, and there's 17 cookbooks for the Daniel fast. Rule number one, if you need a cookbook to fast, you're doing it wrong. If you can make a pizza that is compliant to your fast, it's not covering the mouth. Now, again, again, 
If you want to do that, that's fine, but it's not according to Scripture. And I'm not trying to beat people. I really ain't. I'm really not. But I know some folks, I know them personally, who have entered into Daniel fast. They spent more time, not less, thinking about food, which is the exact opposite of what a time of prayer and fasting is supposed to be. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my lifestyle. And if you enter into a time, and you should, you might say, well, when should I? It's like vows, and the book of Numbers just tells us about vows. Vows are always to be voluntarily made by the person. When you make a vow to God, you should make vows to God, but it's your decision to make a vow to God. I don't tell you what your vow is, and you don't tell me what mine is. You should make them, but they should be your decision, and when you make them, you follow through. It's the same thing with prayer and fasting for the New Testament believer. There should be times where you enter into prayer and fasting. But when you do it, commit to it. Don't say, how can I say I'm fasting without fasting? Daniel, so where do people get this idea with the Daniel fast? Daniel chapter 1, Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're teenagers. They're taken into Babylonian captivity. They go before in this, they're in this court of magi. Christmas time, right? Magi, astronomers, uh, astronomers, astrologers, uh, magicians, spooky spiritual people. And Nebuchadnezzar's thinking, look, if I can get all these spooky spiritual people from all these different nations, then that'll really help me in my kingdom. They're there. They're about to sit down and eat. It's lunch break, right? The bell went off. Class dismissed. They went to lunch break. They look at the king's table, and all this food is unclean. And Daniel purposed in his heart to not defile himself from the food that was on the king's table. What Daniel and they eat vegetables. They go, they go to the head unit and say, look, we can't eat this, but we can't eat vegetables and drink water. And he said, well, here's the problem. If you guys, because it took three years to go through this course that they're going through. If three years from now you eat nothing but vegetables and water, you're going to be half dead and I'm going to be the one in trouble. Daniel said, give us 10 days. After 10 days, they look stronger, better, faster, Smart, their minds clicking faster. When you enter into a time of prayer and fast, if it's an extended time, your mind just becomes clear. You're not bogged down. You're not using all this energy to process and digest. Your mind just it moves faster. But something supernatural happened for them. Now, what people do is they take Daniel 1, and I said I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm four minutes into this. They take Daniel chapter 1, and they slap it to Daniel chapter 10. Problem, 60 years apart. And Daniel chapter 10 only tells us what Daniel didn't eat. He said, I ate no delicacies, no meat, and no wine. I don't drink wine, but if you take away my chocolate, my meat, I don't really want to eat anyway. But notice a joke there. I mean, I can, I can go to town on you know, vegetable pizza or whatever. But notice, he didn't say what he did eat. He just said what he didn't. And with all love and sincerity, we skip over Daniel chapter 9 when it said... I sought the Lord and I was trying to get understanding on the prophet Jeremiah concerning the 70 years that had taken place concerning the captivity of Israel and I set myself to pray and fast. Period. So it's just a misappropriation of Scripture taking Daniel 1 and Daniel 10 and I hate to say this but I understand how a lot of these things work especially Christian books, teachings, not everyone but there's money to be made in that area of the world just like there isn't anything else and if people can sell something and say, wow, this is super spiritual, but it's also something that's just kind of easy, but it makes me feel like I'm doing something, they'll sell books. They will sell you cookbooks all day long, 
But is it something the Lord has set for us to do as a believer? And it's not. Fasting is a time where I'm going to take that time. I'm preparing, cooking, eating, cleaning up. All that time, which probably, honestly, for most of us is four, five, six hours a day. Really? Plus all the thought power. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm laying it all out here so you can understand. I eat breakfast. <laughs> Blake, I think Blake's running the live stream. Is he running? Run? Yeah. Blake will remember this. This few years back, we were eating breakfast. We're eating breakfast. And we looked at each other and I said, what you want for lunch? <laughs> you, you understand how much thought power I'm giving to food? But you take all that and just, I'm going to redirect this for a time to the things of God. Now, turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 12. This I have, I didn't see this until about three weeks ago when I'm, I'm praying and the Lord put this on my heart. And I saw something I hadn't seen before. John 1 verse 12. It wasn't that it wasn't there or I made it up. It's because my eyes have to be, you know, the blinders have to keep, keep being pulled back. Give us the eyes of understanding. Revelation. John 1 12. But as many as received him, referring to Christ, but as many received him, to them he gave the right, the authority, to become children of God to those who believe in his name. How many believe in the name of Jesus? And you know you're a child of God. Amen? Notice verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says, you must be born again, he says, I don't know about you, sir, but I can't get back in my mother's womb and come out again at this point in stage in my life. And he said, no, you're thinking about natural birth. You need to be born of water, natural birth, and of the Spirit. When you put your faith in Christ, you're born again. You're born of God. But notice, did you catch it? Verse 13, who were born not of blood, here it is, nor of the will of the flesh. Your flesh has a will. I've never seen that before. Your flesh has a will. And that's why the Word that became flesh, God incarnate, Jesus Christ, even though He was born without sin, had no sin, did not commit sin, still entered into a time of prayer and fasting because He had a flesh body. It's that simple. He had, His body had a will that had to be brought under submission to the will of the Father. That's what prayer and fasting, that's the first thing. So I want to give you a few reasons why, why we pray and fast. Why do we fast? We crucify the will of the flesh. You can see it. The flesh has a will. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 with this understanding. This is the biggest one right here I want you to see. If this is all I give you for the remainder of our time today, this is enough. Your flesh has a will. And here's the unfortunate thing about the, fl the will of your flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The will of your flesh is completely contrary to the will of God. Mine, yours, every person's will of the flesh is contrary to the will of God. Let's be honest. The will of the flesh is contrary to just generally good things. I don't necessarily just jump up and down thinking about eating my broccoli. But it's good for me. 
right? I don't want to get my steps in, but it's good for me. It feels good when it's cold to stay in the bed for a little bit longer. But I need to get up. If all you do is serve the will of your flesh, it will destroy you. It will ruin you. But there's something greater than that. There's the will of the Father is in complete competition. You're going to see something here you hadn't saw before. Let Let me just read and quit talking. Galatians 5 verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There it is. If you surrender to the will of the flesh, you'll end up doing things that you think, why in the world did I do that? And it's not just the food thing, right? We understand. This is where sexual desire lives in the will of the flesh. Uncleanly, unclean acts and sexual perversions. I mean, think about it. Just be honest with yourself. The world we live in, is it not ruled by the will of the flesh? Let me do what I want to do. What feels good? Is that not the heart of sexual promiscuity, sleeping around and sexual perversion? Why do you do that? God said, don't do it. Why are you doing it? Because it feels good. Because I want to. My flesh wants to. You know, Jesus said that actually in Matthew 24, 38. Let me read this to you. For as in the days before the flood, they were, notice, eating, drinking, marrying, marrying, and giving unto marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so will also the son of coming of the Son of Man be. That's referring to the second coming of Christ, not the rapture, but it's referring to the second coming of Christ. Notice what's in there. Eating, drinking, marriage. Eating, drinking, marriage. He's saying, just as it was in the days of Noah, judgment's coming and people are just living according to the will of the flesh. Completely unaware. Oh, yeah, it's raining, no big deal. But then the ark, the door of the ark closes and there's no more time. Let me read this to you. Philippians 3.18, For as many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So notice there's some people that are enemies of the cross of Christ. What are their characteristics? Verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So what are the characteristics of this enemy of the cross is that they just surrender continually to the will of the flesh. Just live. They make their flesh a God. Their God is their belly. Take it all the way back to the beginning. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And then she gave it to her husband and her, and they ate. So think about that. The first Adam sinned by surrendering to the will of his flesh. The second Adam, Christ, the very first thing he does is crucify the will of the flesh so that he can bring redemption. What brought sin into the world, surrender to the will of the flesh, that thing had to be stomped down, stamped out, and the flesh has to be brought under submission of the will of God so that then Christ could do what he decided to do, which was bring redemption to you. So why would we pray and fast? 
Turn with me to James chapter 4, verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6. James 4, 6 says this, But he gives more grace. Someone say, more grace. Oh, how many want more grace? Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that, that he may exalt you in due time. Let me tell you something. I have, this is something I've learned. I'm 33, going on 34. Uh, 34, yeah. March 15th, Friday, when we go see C.C. Winans in Columbia. Yeah, come on now. All right. On my birthday, right? She did, I mean, I told her not to make a big deal out of it, but she decided to hold a concert in Columbia on my birthday. But anyway, you know, it's just, well, Cece, you ain't got to do that. Come on now. You know, the call's fine enough. You don't have to do a concert. But what I have learned, if I can just be completely, I want to say, can I be completely honest with you? Well, you've been preaching for 25 minutes. You ain't completely honest yet? Let me just shoot straight with you. As a young man, my flesh has got a strong will. And we all have different calls, but I will not be a man. I refuse to just kind of coast through life and take the autopilot and wake up one day and realize I've destroyed my marriage because I submitted to the will of my flesh. I far rather skip some meals right now to let this body know just because you want it, you don't get it. And it really is that simple. Push the plate a little bit away and I'm going to seek God. And as I'm seeking God, he's going to say, now, AJ, I love you, son. You got something in you you need to get out. Let's work on it. You're giving me a little bit more time. Normally, you'd be grilling hamburger, ribeyes, glory. Hallelujah. Woo. Medium. Don't come at me with medium well, or well done. No, 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 no. All right now. But now we're going to, you're giving me a little bit of time to work on you. There's, oh, oh, you're, you, you're turning toward me, son, but there's just something. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way before it creates a problem down the road. And when you go before the Lord in prayer and fasting, it humbles you. In the old covenant, the entire nation of Israel was commanded to pray with fasting one day every year the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. It's the day where the lambs were brought to be sacrificed for the sins of the nation. That was the one day where the, chief, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, the very place you and I can boldly enter in by the blood of Christ anytime we want. But then, one day of the year, one man. And on that day, they would set themselves to fast. And Leviticus 16.31 says, It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you will afflict your souls. Notice that. It's a statue forever. The New American Standard Version says this, It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you that you may humble your souls. It's a permanent statue. That time when you go before the Lord in prayer and fasting, David said in Psalm 35.13, But as for me, when they were sick, when David's enemies were sick, he says, I'm going to pray and fast for their healing. Not himself, his enemies. 
When they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would not return to my own heart. And then you get to James chapter 4. The person that humbles themselves before God, he exalts. The quickest way up in the kingdom of God is down. The quicker you humble yourself, the faster God can work with you and exalt you. What Satan did, exalt himself, brought him beneath our feet. And so when you go into a time of prayer, there's no quicker way to humble yourself than go without food for a little bit. And your body starts crying out. I was holding Samuel yesterday. He's a good boy. He's happy. But when he's hungry, you know it. Ah! I mean, he doesn't hold back. He's smiling. And Oh, I'm hungry. Ah! And I said, I said, Lord, that's what my flesh looks like when I'm praying with fasting. Ah! That's what takes place. That's what takes place. Because there's a wheel there, and you're bringing that wheel down. Oh, no, you're going to submit to the will of God. And it humbles you. And again, you know, we are on different seasons of, my, of different stages of life. But for me, young man, Woo, that bodily strength, oh, it feels good. But you get into a little bit of time of prayer with fasting, well, a couple days in, you think, oh, Lord, I thought I was strong. You know, I, there was a one time where I, I was in it, and, I'm, and I don't, I, this is one thing I kind of, you know, arguing with the Lord's silly, right? But I thought, Lord, don't nobody want to hear about prayer with fasting. We just ate for a month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> We, we, we don't want to hear about this. I don't want to hear about this. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and the last thing I want to do is come off like, whoa, look at me, this is what I did. But I, I want to... And Jesus recorded he prayed and fasted for 40 days. There was a time when I was in an extended period of time of prayer and fasting, and I hit like day six. And I found myself praying very much that day in the fetal position in that prayer room back there a few years back. You think, why? Because I couldn't get up. I, I, just, I, was like, I thought I was going to die. And I was. Todd, you don't have to laugh that much. I was. My flesh was dying. My will was dying. Something stronger than just an appetite was taking place. It was a war. Galatians 5. It's war. Flesh and the Spirit's warring. Who's going to win? It's not just time of prayer and fasting, but it is part of it. It is part of it. Anyone ever heard this verse? Let me run through a couple for you so that we can all get out and go eat lunch. Amen? Some of y'all think, we're going buffet today, praise God. Hallelujah. I was going to get a salad and start right. What? No. We're going to the beacon. That's what we're doing. Give me a cheeseburger, a plenty glory. I'm going to have room for ice cream now. Come on, somebody. Hey. Now, anyone ever heard this verse? 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, anah, prayer with fasting, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. How many knows our land needs to be healed? 
You know, Daniel, he, he went in times of prayer and fasting. He's a righteous man. But he took on himself a humbling for his nation. I, I just wrote a few of these out, but anyone ever heard of the Welsh Revival? It took place in Wales around 1903 to 1906. Many revivals broke out in the earth in the 1900s, all through the earth, uh, all through ages, really. But 1903, Evans Roberts, a man that kind of pioneered the Welsh Revival, for five years, him and a group of other young believers would meet to pray and sometimes pray with fasting for five years. But when the revival broke out, 100,000 people were saved in Wales. The great revival of New York in 1857, Charles Finney had already been ministering for decades. But he would make a point and say, anytime I would go to preach and I didn't feel power on what I was preaching, notice it's the same word, same God. But the thing that the word and the spirit's flowing through, something's jamming it up. He said, I would go to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting for a few days, and I would feel that quickening power once again. That's why in 2023, I spent more time, more logging more days in prayer. Again, I'm not trying to be boastful. I'm not. But when I heard my pastor say, when he was a younger man, he would never stand before people to preach the word of God without time of prayer and fasting. I said, I would be a fool not to follow his example. So I committed to it. And from that point forward, I don't stand here unless I enter into a time of prayer and fasting. And, and, and jo- Charles Finney, he saw 500,000 people come to the Lord in one year. In 1857, no live stream, no YouTube, no beautiful buildings, no cars, no planes, horse and buggy. 1857, he shows up to a town. They make effigies of him, you know, like straw men stuff of him with his name written on them, hanging in the tree and burning on fire. That's what he sees as he walks to church. Pretty encouraging, amen? You know, oh, wow, they've got another one of me burning in the tree, right? 500,000 people say. Jonathan Edwards of the Great Awakening, who wrote the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God that Shook England, Shook America came after three days of prayer and fasting. See, something takes place in the heart when you humble yourself. Prayer and fasting accompanies repentance. But prayer and fasting also brings you to a place of spiritual power. The last place I'm probably going to take you to is Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Look at this. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. We're going to look at verse 20, but to give you an idea, chapter 17, the beginning of it, Jesus is transfigured. He's about to go to Calvary and die on the cross for the sins of the world. Before that takes place, he's glorified. Peter, James, and John, they're on the mountaintop with him. They see Elijah and Moses, and they think, hey, let's build three temples, you know, for each one of you guys. And then all of a sudden, bright light comes out, and God the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. They're leaving down from that experience, that time that took place, that transfiguration, that glorification of Christ before He goes to the cross, and He's walking down the hill. When He walks down the hill, He gets encountered with a multitude. Verse 14, A man came to Him, kneeling down, said to Him, Lord, have mercy on my Son. Verse 15, For He's an epileptic. Suffer severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Verse 16, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. Not everything, but some things that take place even in the body have demonic spirits that are 
doing those things. Not everything. Not everything. But there is demonic powers that use sickness and disease. And it rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured that very hour. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately. Because who likes to be rebuked openly? And said, why did we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For as surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Glory, amen, right? And then we really quickly read, moreover, however, this kind does not come out by prayer and fasting. Verse 20, if you've got faith, the mountains will move. Verse 21, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There was a spiritual wickedness, a certain level of spiritual wickedness binding up this boy that the disciples who lived, breathed, eat, slept, walked, followed, left everything to follow Jesus. And there's a time where Jesus anoints them to go out and heal the sick and cast out devils. And they do it. But here they hit something and they say, we couldn't do it. Why? He said, well, this kind, whatever you know, that implies, this kind, this devil, there was something there that you had not, spiritual power, you've not gotten up to that point yet. And how do you get to that point? Through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting brings you to a place of greater spiritual authority. See, it's not that God had to change. It's the disciples were yet wielding, caring, flowing in that spiritual power. In that spiritual power. And if I could encourage you, I want you to understand that. There are things that are already made available. It's not that, you know, well, you're talking about workspace. No, I'm not talking about workspace. I'm talking about faith-based living. And the Bible instructs us to have times of prayer and fasting because there may be something that you're hitting and it's not God because He don't need to change. He's perfect he, in all his ways. And this, this demonic attack ain't moving. Okay, let's double down. And you enter into a time of prayer and fasting. Now, this is the last place I take you because that's where my notes end. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. So you can see this. This is called the fasting chapter of the Bible. Isaiah 58. Verse 1, cry aloud, spare not, lift your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins. Notice verse 2, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. They say, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and not taken notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, this is God responding, you find pleasure. You exploit or you're abusive to all your laborers. Indeed, you fast, but for strife and debate, being seen of men, to strike the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do in this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I've chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? In other words, you're doing all these sinful activities. Yeah, you're not eating food, but you're living like the devil and expecting this to do something for you. Notice verse 6. 
Is this not the fast that I've chosen? Now, here is what I want to leave you with. Supernatural benefits of prayer with fasting. First thing, revelation. Is this not the fast I've chosen? Or deliverance, excuse me. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. That you break every yoke. You may have been dealing with some addictive type of behavior for a long time. Enter into a time of prayer and fasting. You'll break that thing quick. It'll break off of you. The, the very first desire you get is to eat. I've been there twice when the babies wake up. It's like the first day or two, they're just like asleep, right? When children are born. It's like they live off that, just that little bit of colostrum. It's amazing how little it is, but it's just all they need. But it takes a few days, and like, then they finally wake up. And what's the first thing they get? Hunger. It's the last thing that leaves. Before people pass away, they don't want to eat. Body's shutting down. And so when you bring that will of the flesh under submission, there's no addiction greater than the will of the flesh. When you bring that thing under the submission of Christ, addiction breaks. Deliverance. And not just for you. You can carry it for other people. You can carry power to deliver others. Notice verse 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? In a time of prayer and fasting, you realize just how little your body actually needs. And you can be a blessing to other people. Verse 8. Divine revelation. Then your light will break forth like the morning. You'll open up your Bible... When you set aside time and you're amplifying, you're reading more, you're studying more, you're praying more, you're listening more. For this period of time I've set apart for God, you open up your Bible and you'll see things you didn't see before. Daniel got revelation concerning the end times during a time of prayer and fasting. It's not in Scripture, but what we see in the early church from different people that every Wednesday and Friday, generally speaking, the entire New Testament church would pray and fast two days a week. And they lived. <laughs> yeah. John Wesley wouldn't ordain a minister that didn't pray and fast every Wednesday and Friday. And they still lived. But revelation comes about. Notice this. And your healing will spring forth speedily. There's so many powerful things that take place in your body during prayer and fasting. Healing. Now notice, Christ purchased the healing, but it springs forth speedily. Maybe there's something going, no, I will not accept this. I am the healed of the Lord. And you set your face to pray and fast. Think about it if you take the time you were spending eating and everything involved around it, and in three times a day, like Daniel, set yourself to pray and just fill your heart with healing scriptures. Healing, uh, the provisions of healing spring forth speedily. It's a supernatural thing. But on top of that, just naturally speaking, when you enter into a time of prayer and fasting, after 12 hours of fasting, your growth hormone spikes. That's what makes you not age as quickly. Your healing in your joints come about. Your body makes new proteins. After 18 hours, autophagy is when your body begins to recycle old damaged proteins in your body. Free radical cells, your body begins to eat those after 18 hours. After 24 hours of fasting, your liver can actually be cleansed. 
inflammation goes down. Your gut heals. Your heart function improves. Your brain function improves. If you go past 24 up to 48 hours, antioxidant activity increases in your body. Your body begins to use all the stuff that's stuck on the sides of your colon and your digestive system. And all the ingredients you can't pronounce in the back of packaging that gets squared away in your body, your body eats it and cleanses it off. And after two days of prayer with, and this isn't prayer with fasting, this is natural fasting. This is a medical study. Your body begins to create stem cells. What are stem cells? They're uncategorized, undifferentiated cells that can be used for anything in your body. It's the things that people who are pro-abortion like because they can get it from aborted babies' bodies. Stem cells. But God has a plan. If you'll just obey, your body will create those stem cells on their own through prayer and fasting. People have had cancer and tumors shrink during times. A fast Again, I keep saying prayer fasting because I've made it a habit. But just naturally speaking, and if you go beyond that, just your body begins to renew. Your health springs forth speedily. That's just naturally speaking. Think about on top of it the supernatural power of God. Uh, Isaiah 58, 8, your righteousness breaks forth. The glory of the Lord your rear guard. How many wants God to protect them? And be your rear guard. Amen? Verse 9, you'll call and the Lord will answer. Answered prayers. Daniel got an answered prayer, didn't he? Took him 21 days. It dealt with the entire end times of humanity. Pretty big one. He still got it, though. Verse 10, if you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul, and your light light shall dawn in the darkness. Your darkness will be noonday. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually making some big decisions, some decisions that you want to get right, set yourself to pray and fast. Seek the will of God. Ask God, is this where I need to go? Do I need to be joined up with this person? Do I go into this business endeavor? Is this where I need to be at school? Is this where I need to live? Is this a good neighborhood? I mean, think about it. The day and age we live in, you can live in a bad neighborhood cost you your life. You might think, well, I was just buying a house. Well, what if you buy a house that, that's a, you ever bought a car that's a lemon or you bought something, it looked good, and then you got it like, this is, this is terrible. That exact opposite happened with us when we purchased our first house. I mean, we just keep finding things we like about it and things that the previous owner did. These life decisions, oh, man, just take some more time to go before the Lord and inquire of his will. Notice this, satisfy your soul in drought. Strengthen your bones. You'll be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Supernatural provision, just like Psalm 1. The righteous man's like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water. It doesn't rain, don't matter, we got a river. Verse 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Oh, revival, there it is. You'll raise up the foundations of many generations. Prayer with fasting. You will be hard-pressed to ever find a time where people turned heavy, I mean, where large groups of people, whether city or nation, turned back to the Lord that was not birthed in much prayer and prayer with fasting. You won't find it. You, You just won't find it. But if you do, foundations of generations are raised up. You'll be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell in. 
restoration and repair come through this biblical activity, this supernatural discipline called prayer with fasting. That's all I have for you today. If you would stand before the Lord, let's prepare our hearts to minister to Him in prayer in this moment. Father, we come before You, Lord. We bless Your name. We give You glory and honor. Lord, we thank You that Your will is perfect. Your understanding is right. Your instruction is great. And though, it, though it's contrary, Lord, to oftentimes what the natural mind says or certainly what the will of the flesh wants, your way is perfect. It brings about truth and righteousness and holiness, blessing and prosperity and peace and joy and fullness in every area of our life. And Lord, we are so thankful for it. Lord, we're so thankful for your divine wisdom and instruction. And that's what we want to do, Lord, is submit to your will and your instruction, Lord. I pray this prayer, Father. I love these people. And I love them, Lord God, and I want you, Lord, to move on their hearts. Bring us, Lord, into times of prayer with fasting. Lead us with the Spirit as Christ was led. To where we see, you know what, the salvation of a person, restoration of a family, something that the devil's getting away with and shouldn't be in our cities or our nations. We're going to Bring the flesh under submission. We're going to surrender the flesh and the soul for a time to be used as vessels of your glory. Lord, bring us into seasons and times of prayer and fasting, Lord, to where we receive instruction that will not just direct us for a time, but for the rest of our life. Lord, bring us into seasons of prayer and fasting, God, to where we'll pay that cost prior to the time so that when people have need of freedom and deliverance, we can be carriers of that power and of that authority, God. Lord, Lord, bring us into times of prayer and fasting so that we can pay a cost and price for other people that don't even know what's going on, Lord, but we'll see them come to Christ. And we'll see people changed and families changed, Lord God. And as we do it, Lord, we thank you for the benefits of it, that it renews our strength, that it brings us understanding of your word, Lord God. It strengthens our spiritual will so that we'll walk like you walk, Lord. Why don't you pray this prayer with me and say, Father, I surrender all to you, spirit, soul, and body. I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk like he walked. I want to speak like he spoke, and I want his thoughts. I thank you. I have his mind, the mind of Christ. Lord, lead me into deeper realms of consecration, of dedication, and of times of prayer and fasting. To seek your face, to do what you would have me do, to get your clarity, your instruction, and to co-labor with you to build your church in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. 
And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you. 